Welcome to Next in Health Podcast. I'm Jenny Colapitro, PwC's Vice Chair for Health Industries, working across pharmaceuticals, medtech, payers, and providers. And I'm Igor Belakronitsky, a principal with PwC Strategy End, where I get to help leading health organizations with their strategies and operating models. Today, we're excited to have with us some of the authors of a recent Next in Health perspective, where they tackle one of the biggest issues in healthcare today, the staffing shortages and all of the accompanying issues like burnout, the quality and the reduced access. And the great thing about their report is they tackle this issue very comprehensively, everything from near-term improvements to the situation to a more fundamental rethinking of how caregivers are trained, hired, developed and engaged. And so we're very excited to welcome back our frequent guest, Aparna Kumar, who's a director who's focused in clinical workforce strategy and training. She's joined by Alison Simonetta, who's one of the leaders in higher education, focused in provider training, and Katie Plaza, who's a nurse practitioner and one of our clinical leaders within the provider transformation team. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Good to be back. Great. And this is such an important topic. I know workforce strategy and transformation is top of mind for most of our executives and clients. Team, in writing your perspective on staffing shortages and ways to address them, what are some of the things that you learned? We certainly learned that the fundamental starting point is how do we build trust and engage with the nursing and healthcare community in new and different ways? That is a theme that has resonated throughout, especially post-COVID, where there is this disconnect between the clinical workforce and leadership. So how do you begin to build trust? And then as you work through that dimension, thinking about different ways of addressing stress and burnout, which is pervasive across the industry, are there new ways to think about staffing models, different kinds of development opportunities, et cetera, to really show the value and, again, reinforce the trust with the team? We also really learned a lot about designing benefits to meet the needs of nursing and thinking about the various personas within that profession. And truly, we really can't emphasize the critical nature of this challenge across healthcare. We cannot put patient safety at risk, so there must be an emphasis on the workforce. One of the most important things I walked away from doing this work is the fact that we have an aging workforce and we are rapidly losing our most experienced nursing professionals. And we're losing those who have the knowledge of how to care for patients and how to care for patients during various kinds of disruptions, whether those be a pandemic, supply chain issues, politics, what have you. And so making sure that we can get less experienced nurses paired up with experienced nurses is going to be critical moving forward. I just wanted to add, interestingly enough, there's some evidence that actually points to the fact that the nursing shortage is actually a product of the working conditions stress and burnout and some of the things that we all know are taking place within the clinical workforce, more so than an absolute lack of qualified nurses. But the thing to point out here is that there's a vicious cycle that's created when there is insufficient staffing, then causing increased patient ratio burdens, leading to these stressful working conditions and then driving this retention issue where nurses are fleeing inpatient roles needing, you know, 12 hour plus shifts on a day to day basis. So it's sort of a vicious cycle that kind of talks to this end to end problem that we are trying to address. It's so helpful that you're showing every aspect of the issue in the report. But of course, you don't just stop at admiring the problem and looking at it from different angles. You're proposing 
a whole range of solutions. And what I particularly liked about the report is that you go through the entire process, starting with the day-to-day staffing and all the way upstream to training and education. And so I'm wondering if you'd walk us through some of the solutions that you're proposing in the report, starting with the most burning issue, the day-to-day challenges that you've pointed out. So there are some things that health systems and others are doing in the immediate term to address the day-to-day challenges that we've outlined. Those include trying to optimize scheduling, the use of temporary nursing staff, and better use of technology to help with the delivery of care. But none of those solutions are exactly what we need and don't address the problem fully. And I think what we have really taken away from this work is that health systems really need to think more in terms of the medium and longer term solutions to fully address this issue. These short term solutions will not solve the challenges that we face. Yeah. And one thing I'll add to that, Allison, is when you talk to nurses, when you survey the teams, the dimensions of what is needed to make them feel valued, to want to work in a specific hospital, to continue their progression is much bigger than traditionally just looking at compensation or, you know, very discrete aspects of total rewards. And we are seeing hospitals start to really think differently about how to value the different nurses and different care team members beyond the financial compensation, which is incredibly important, but also thinking about their well-being and their lifestyle and getting more creative with those different kinds of shifts that you mentioned, but also care delivery models and helping to think about different ways to support the staff so that they're working at top of license and are feeling that value. Again, reestablishing trust, that theme keeps continuing through here, but there are very tactical behaviors that are starting to really help nurses feel like they want to stay with a health system for the entire career and not just for a short stint or use it as a stepping stone to move elsewhere. And then lastly, from an education and training standpoint, we know that the chokeholds are basically the faculty positions. There aren't enough nurse faculty to train the students and then sites for the nursing students to complete their clinical training. And fortunately, the states have recognized that this is a problem. Some states are thinking about how to fund nurse faculty positions. I believe New Mexico has included $30 million in its 2023 budget to do this. Some other states are similarly introducing bills to sort of ease the pressure on existing nursing programs and allowing it to be just more flexible in terms of how many students enroll and how they graduate these students. But for the clinical training problem, there's education innovation in the form of tertiary competency-based trainings or flexible pathways to degrees, increased use of simulation technology and such that we're seeing in the market as well. But the thing to note here is as training becomes more diverse in its administration, there is an increased need for quality assurance around that training, which can be achieved through reviewing these professional standards, reviewing accreditation milestones and guidelines to make sure that the folks that are being trained are in fact being trained in the right way. These are all great suggestions relative to just day-to-day staffing, just reinvention of the job and career model and evolving education and training. How should our listeners go about implementing these recommendations? And what are your thoughts on how to strike the right balance between firefighting and long-term rebuilding? It's a great question, Jenny, and it's complicated, but I think it starts with some basics. Really thinking about tactics that allow leadership to communicate with the nursing teams 
And I'm talking about surveys, workshops, leadership rounding, really getting involved, getting to know the pulse, if you will, of the different nursing units and trying to understand what is happening on the ground so that when you do begin to design creative solutions, they're meaningful to the workforce. And I think what is also of immense value is the opportunity to leverage the full care team to support the nurses, to allow them to work at top of license, focusing on patient care and all of the elements that are related to quality and safety. Take away some of the burden of administration tasks and look at technology to find ways to improve the way they do their work, make it more efficient, make it more effective. There's a lot of different tactical elements along that domain that can really make a difference. And then lastly, we talked about this a bit earlier, but thinking through the reward strategy and again, beyond compensation and what really will help nurses feel valued to stay within their health system. And then building on what Katie said and thinking more into the long term, we know that mentorship is really important for the development of nurses. And so how do health systems and hospitals think about building those opportunities for newer nurses? Because we're seeing a lot of turnover with new nurses, often within the first or second year of their employment. One of the things health systems could consider are nurse residency programs. We have precedents for this, obviously, in medical education where physicians, new medical school graduates, all go into residency to get that additional mentorship and training before they begin to practice on their own. And there are nurse residency programs that exist today, and the data from those programs shows that they're quite successful. They improve the retention of first and second year nurses by over 50%. And then, of course, there's a financial ROI for hospitals and health systems that goes with that as turnover rates are reduced. For the nurses themselves, those nurses who have gone through these types of programs have reported increased confidence and competence around clinical decision-making and also improved job satisfaction and overall improvement of practice safety. Well, thank you, Aparna, Allison, Katie, for such a nuanced diagnosis of this challenging issue, as well as for a very practical and comprehensive program for how to address it. And of course, we will link to your full report in the show notes. For more on these topics and other health industry insights driven by policy, innovation, and care delivery changes, please subscribe to our podcast. And also be sure to check out the past episodes about nursing, primary care, and the future of hospital systems. Until next time, this has been Next in Health. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.